Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Glory Glory My Night podcast. Uh, not so much Glory Glory tonight, I'm afraid. Um, United absolutely pumped away from home again in a difficult away game. Um, once again, the fans have been badly let down by performance and result. Um, and joining me today to talk about it is Julio from the weekly Armchair Sports Talk. Welcome to the show, Julio. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, great to be on. Thank you. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. It's uh, Julio, actually. Julio, okay. <laughs> you're not the first and you're not the last. I get it all the time. <laughs> so it doesn't uh, bother me as much. Okay, I'll try and uh, pronounce it correctly for the rest of the show. Um, United were an absolute disaster tonight from minute one. Um, there was players out there who simply weren't trying. Um, Sancho and Martial spring to mind. Um, particularly Sancho, who had to be hooked at halftime because he, he's pulling out of challenges. Um, players were going past him too easily. Um, he was turning back all the time. Uh, he just didn't look up for it tonight. Um, and obviously, right at the beginning, Harry Maguire once again made a basic fundamental error. Um, although De Gea could be partly to blame. How many times have we seen De Gea pass the ball centrally uh, to either Fred Eriksson or, or Maguire when they're facing their own goal? And putting them on the pressure like that, um, and then the game made an absolutely awful error himself, leading to the third goal. And um, it was just a night where, where, when we're coming forward, we were so slow and lethargic, we couldn't get anything going. Um, and then defending, um, they were just they were just all over the shop really. Um, and Rashford came on to make a difference. And before he even touched the ball, we were two 0 down. You know, conceding a goal from a corner. Just a really bad night again, wasn't it, Julio? Yeah, it was. Uh... <clears throat> this has been a problem for a while now. This team are stepping onto the pitch and almost uh, not at the races. Um, the gentleman, the other gentleman on uh, the channel I'm from predicted this before the international break where they said that fatigue was going to start to set in. It could be mental, it could be physical fatigue, but the players are walking out onto the pitch and there's been games where we've got the job done like the Brentford game, but with all due respect, against the likes of Forest and Everton, we weren't going to be troubled against those in those games. They're both the lowest scoring team along with Southampton, joint bottom with 24 goals. So we weren't really going to be troubled by those teams. And then the other games we've played, we've um, the Newcastle game was very obvious. The Liverpool game was more than obvious, where it was almost like we walked out onto the pitch with almost no energy at all and everything. And tonight was another occasion and it's becoming a regular occurrence now. Um, because Sevilla was saying in their pre-match press conferences, we're going to come for you. We're going to press. We're going to, because it's, it's their home ground. It's going to be a cauldron. It was, you knew that it was going to be a, a big night in Europe because Sevilla, when they hear that Europa League theme, they're a different animal. Same with Real Madrid in the Champions League. So it was almost like it's becoming a worry and it's becoming a, a, a big worry. It doesn't help we've been playing three games in roughly around every eight days for the past three or four months, um, which might be a reason why that considering it's almost like every game in those weeks is a cup final. It almost feels like it. It's a big game. It's a must-win game. So 
I, I don't know. It's it's a huge issue, and it, I, I'm almost at loss for words. It's not unexpected. It wasn't unexpected because it's like I've already said. It's severe in the Europa League, but there was a point where we were the favourites for this competition. It looked like we were going to go on and win the lot, almost the FA Cup, the League Cup, and the Europa League. And it's almost like since the League Cup final, we've not been at the races. And I know I've said it. I don't want to sound like a broken record. It's become a huge problem. And Sevilla aren't that great. Granted, they always find a way to win at home and in the Europa League. Um, if you want to throw in the fact that they've been in a relegation battle all season, then fair enough. But league form doesn't matter for them in the Europa League. But, do you know, like, it's... <laughs> I'm almost... A, uh, it's, it's unexpected, but I'm almost at almost a loss for words for this. I just can't describe that it was a big game and it's almost like the players didn't turn up. They're very lethargic. And Sevilla, we made them look, especially the first half, the two goals they scored, granted, the second one was offside. Both of our own making. Sloppy passes. We were out for. We were out for. We literally brought it on ourselves. Yeah, I, I tweeted out before the game. I'm nervous about tonight. Severe are not that good. Uh, the 12th in the Liga, uh, and they were pretty poor for most of the first leg. But they got two fluke own goals, um, and they were applying the dark arts. Um, I imagine what it'll be like at home. We've seen more of that tonight. Um, but I thought that uh, I, I echo what you what you were saying that um, they just have something about them in the Europa League. They have that six on their Europa League badge on their sleeve. <laughs> um, it could be seven very soon. Um, and that that's what I was worried about. It wasn't. I was two things that worried me most was their pedigree in this competition and our away form this season particularly in big games and we saw both both of those things you know ended up happening they were they were as bad as we were they were as good as we were bad tonight um and they they, they beat us quite comfortably in the end they were deserved winners we were absolutely nowhere near tonight um i don't know what it is about united when we're playing away from home uh it's a volatile crowd the the, the opposition are pressing us high up the pitch and we just go to pieces Make can't even do the basics. Um, I said before the game that I was worried about Maguire getting an early yellow card, like he did at Forest, because they will try and get him booked again. Um, surrounding the referee with imaginary cards, but he did something even worse than that. <laughs> he just got dispossessed on the edge of his own area, and they scored first. And we never really recovered from that. Uh, their their tails are up from that. Um, um we, we were. Under pressure, even uh, Casemiro and Ericsson were giving the ball away tonight. Um, nobody was really doing it. And like I say, um, Martial and Sancho were doing nothing to relieve the pressure um, because th- they were doing very, very little up top. Um, Martial wanted to come off as soon as the second half started. Um, once again, his his body has let him down. And tonight proves that Martial cannot be relied upon anymore. And Maguire definitely needs sold. I don't think you'd argue with uh, either of those two things. But one thing I'm going to ask you about is: is there now a question mark about Jane Sancho's future, or, or would you would you give him more chances? Listen, um, a lot of the points you there you've made valid. Um, 
regarding the Harry Maguire mistake, it was the worst. Um, it was the worst possible start. The worst thing you can do when you go away from home in Europe, knowing full well you need to win, and you've not been at it for a while now. The worst thing you can do is give it to them on a plate, especially a team with that kind of pedigree and our away form. And there's a lot of debate and divide across social media as who's to blame. In my opinion, they're both to blame. We've seen scenarios where the other ball playing center, actual ball playing center backs in our defense have been in that same scenario. I think there was a clip from the game against Real Betis at Old Trafford where Lissandro was in the exact same position. And the problem is Harry Maguire shown again. I don't just put it out there. I don't have a agenda or a hate against Harry Maguire. But one of his flaws, unfortunately, is his lack of scanning ability and reading of the game. He can call for that there. He can call for that pass there. No problem. De Gea's pass was poor and it put him in a very bad situation. But Maguire tried to receive it with his back to everything around him. He took, I think, a quick brief look behind him and there was a lot of space behind him. It was was a quick look to almost, um, it wasn't enough. And Harry Maguire is usually quite slow on the ball, even when he's going forwards. He'll get the ball for a few seconds, think about what to do, and then pass it to Luke Shaw, for example, which is a common theme we've seen over the last couple of years. Maguire, as a proper ball-playing centre-half, if that's what he wants to be, he needs to be able to take that on a half-term with full awareness of what's around him. Now, unfortunately, he didn't, and as soon as the ball got to him, it was a poor ball, so De Gea is just, just as much a fault as Maguire is. Um, suddenly, there were three Sevilla players around him, and he'd lost out. And, do you know, it was it was the worst possible start for us. Um, Anthony Martial getting injured, it seemed, as soon as the second half starts and as soon as the second half goal goes in, is really bad not just for the game, but also for Anthony Martial and his future and the rest of our season. Um, He's proven already a lot this season that he cannot be trusted as the main number nine. It was effectively given to him at the start of the season on a silver platter. In pre-season, he looked really good. He looked at it. But unfortunately, as much as I love the player for what he brings to the table in, in terms of ability and just on paper, the best ability you can give, I think, is availability. It's why we're seeing we've been seeing Weghorst every week, because Weghorst is available. Martial hasn't been, um, and to be honest, at the start of the second half, United needed to score the first goal, otherwise tie over. In my opinion, one goal from United in that second half changes everything. Um, and regarding Jaden Sancho, we've seen last couple of games he's shown a little bit more of what he's about. I say a little bit. It's not been outstanding. It's not been something obvious. Like we've seen more from Anthony in recent games than we've seen of Sancho. But we started, we've been starting to see something about Sancho. Now, we've all, I think I personally have given him leeway from last season because he came into a, a poor season in terms of what happened in the context, what happened to us last season. Um. And I thought this year he would 
kick on a little bit. I wasn't expecting too much from him. Sancho seems like the kind of player that maybe would need to settle in a bit more than others. Like I had no worries about Anthony this season in comparison because Anthony strikes me as that kind of player with that that almost South American bite personality where he doesn't seem phased. But it's getting to the point now with Jaden Sancho where he's had his three months away, he's come back, he's had his difficulties and we all want him to do well because we know there's a player there. But it's almost like what happens next season, the first couple of months of next season may tell the story of what his future looks like at Manchester United. And it's becoming a worrying sign that we're playing players every week that you want to count on. But we're getting worried that their future is elsewhere in the short term. Yeah, um, like you say, Anthony has a, a bit more fire in his belly um, than Sancho, uh, so you're not worried about him that way. Um, for me, there was a lot of timid characters on the field tonight. I would uh, Those for me are Maguire, Lindelof, Sancho, Martial. Um, if you replace those with the likes of Varane, Licha Martinez, uh, Bruno Fernandes and Rashford, You've a totally different team there to, with a totally different attitude. I know Rashford came on the second half, but he didn't start the game and wasn't fully fit. Um, there's just those, those players are mentioned um, who started the match. They're just not up for the fight. They're good players when things are going well, but when your backs against the, uh, backs against the wall, they're not the players you want in your team, unfortunately. Um, and we need to bring in more of those players. Um, like so many of these players have let us down in the past, uh, and they've been doing so again in recent weeks and months. Um, so I definitely think, I know the main issue is a centre forward uh, in the summer, but I think we need to bring in a lot more than that. Um, and we need to bring in the right characters um, because too many of these players have been used to losing over the, the last four years or so. And it, it probably doesn't hurt them as much as it should. Um, it's just become the norm. Um, and this, this type of performance, we've seen it too many times over the last four or five years, but too many times this season as well. Um, Ten Hag has obviously only been able to bring in five or six of his own players. But once Ten Hag is able to bring in, you know, by the end of the, the, the summer transfer window, he probably will have brought in an entire 11 of his own players. And then we might see a difference. Um, yeah, there's too many players there that just aren't up to it. What's your thoughts on the Gea? Like, you made a huge error tonight. Um, two, you could say, for the first and the on the third goal um a lot's been made of okay he's a brilliant shot stopper can't be denied he's probably the best keeper in the world around 2016-17 but a lot's been made of his flaws you know not commanding his area enough not coming for crosses and you know with a ball at his feet he's a disaster quite frankly um and you know comparisons comparisons have been made to the likes of allison and ederson who are good all-round goalkeepers and obviously the Ten Hag is one of those managers that wants uh, his goalkeeper to be involved in the build-up play, be a sweeper-keeper, if you like. Um, but De Gea has shown that he's just not up to that. Would you persist with De Gea next season, or would you look at replacing him? There's quite a, a few scenarios regarding David De Gea. Listen, I've been one of David De Gea's biggest fans, if not the biggest, since his first day at United. I remember being in year six, I think it was, in class, his first season where it wasn't going so well and being the only United fan and the only football fan in the whole year group who actually backed him to do well. 
Um, so as you can imagine, five years into the future, I look like a visionary. Um, however, David De Gea's shot stopping ability has never been a problem. In fact, one of his, I believe one of his strengths in 2011, in when we signed him was his distribution. Now I think that is more about his long kicking. His long kicking, I don't think has been, when he goes long, whether it's from his hands or from the floor, I don't think that's ever been an issue. The key problem we're noticing in the last season or so is his ball playing ability short from the back. Now, I think having, if you don't have the, it's almost like a, they cancel, it's almost like they ruin each other almost. If you, in what I mean is, you're a goalkeeper who struggles for confidence with the ball. And I think he has the same kind of thing with, um, with uh, the way he commands this area. And then you've got a centre-back in front of him in Harry Maguire, who has nothing to prove, apparently. Um, <laughs> who A lot has been made of Harry Maguire's ball-playing ability. He's not the... Uh, I want to end that myth right now, if I can. He's not a ball-playing centre-half that everyone thinks he is. He's okay on the ball, but his progressive ball-playing stats forwards are very... Um, they're very flawed in the essence that his ball playing, most of it consists of passing forward to Luke Shaw, like I've already mentioned, after holding onto the ball for a couple of seconds, not just with, with Man United, but with England as well. Now, you put Lissandra Martinez in there, it's not as much of a problem, but there's still a problem. Now, in terms of what happens with him, there's a lot, there's a lot around it as well. One of the issues United have had, apparently the scouts have had, is they're looking around Europe and they're thinking to themselves, where's the best value for money goalkeeper? We've seen the likes of Guardiola, Klopp, even Arteta come in, regardless of who the goalkeeper is. And I think the key comparison should be Arteta when he came, when he replaced Leno with Ramsdale. Not because of the fact that everyone thought Ramsdale were two relegations, but Leno was a good goalkeeper for Arsenal. Sure, he had his mix-up moments, but he was a decent goalkeeper. And when Ramsdale first came in, people thought 30 million to warm the bench. So it's never been. So it's never been an issue. It's never been. It's a case of, regardless of how good De Gea shot stopping is, the way we want to play moving forward. Unfortunately, we can't sit there and wait another year see if he can develop that ball playing ability because he could be getting coaching every day in training for it but we're a year in and it's not improved that much if at all regarding what happens with him i think it's difficult because it, it all depends on the contract situation it depends on who would come in we've got dean henderson to come back from his loan a lot's been made of whether he has a future I'd be intrigued to see if Ten Hag at least tries him in pre-season. Because say what you want about Henderson, you can dislike his very confident character. He's always backed himself. Louis van Gaal said the same thing about him in 2016. He asked him in training once, where do you see yourself in two, three years? And he said, United's number one. So he's always had that confidence and belief in himself. Um, he's not that much better and shot stopping but a lot's been made of what he's like 
with the ball at his feet and what he's like almost sweeping and getting attacks started. But then also you've got the idea that if it's not him, then who is it? Who comes in? A lot's been made of Diogo Costa, David Raya. People are, people are crying for Mike Mignan from AC Milan, which I think would be a good option. But as much as it, it, it might, even though we're Manchester United, there is still a worry that is that too much of an unrealistic approach? So it, there's a, and also it, it's who's t- who, what happens with the takeover? Yeah. What finances are at play with a new goalkeeper? It, there's a lot to be, I think, personally, I think as much as I love the guy and I'm very sentimental, it's not right. And I'd rather see him leave and be first choice immediately somewhere else and thrive there. Maybe in Italy, for example, where maybe ball playing ability is not as necessary rather than see someone come in or him fight with Henderson maybe next season or something for the first team shirt only to go in another year's time, almost like prolong that um, that departure. So as much as I love him, my stance is that it would be sad to see him go because of what he's done and how much of a key player he's been over the years. But it's a strong decision that I think Ten Hag will make. And I think that regardless of his comments this week, because it's made comments of him being a complete goalkeeper, which, to be honest, we've seen Ten Hag make comments like that about Harry Maguire. Like, this is a different Harry Maguire. This is a more a more player who has learnt since I've been here. But we've seen Solskjaer make the same comments um, regarding Alexis Sanchez and Ashley Young, where he's, where he's gone in press conferences, gone, he's a good player or he's going to prove you wrong. But he's on the phone to whoever's upstairs going... Get him out, get him out as soon as possible. So it's a very smart. It's like playing poker with the transfer market, because if a man, obviously, if a manager says I don't like him, I don't want him, it makes it different. It makes deals a little bit different. Um, but yeah, moving forward, I think it's especially after tonight's mistakes, you can clearly see there are problems, especially with that third goal. <laughs> like, where do you start with that? What's he doing all the way out there? He's completely misinterpreted where the ball's going to fall to and he doesn't look confident when he's on the ball and he makes us nervous when he's on the ball. So moving forward, it's a tough decision Ten Hag needs to make, but I think there's, I think there's an obvious decision. I think there's, I think there's only one way this can go. If I'm being honest, it's very obvious now. Yeah. When Ten Hag publicly backs players like De Gea and Maguire, um, I don't, I don't believe he's telling the whole truth. Um, He's obviously going to protect them publicly but privately, he's probably not convinced by them. Um, Tintag, as we know, likes to bring in players that he's worked with before. And another one of those names is uh, Andre Onana. Onana from Inter. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he could be a possibility. I think he's pretty good with his feet. And he's a very good goalkeeper. But like I say, it all depends on the budget. Um, if we have to spend most of our budget in other areas, then we'll have to make do with what we've got uh, for another season. All depends how much we've got to spend and who the owners are and all that. Um, you mentioned Henderson there. What happened last summer, as everyone knows, is that I think Ten Hag wanted to get a look at him at close quarters. I think he even wanted to sign him uh, on loan for Ajax you know, in January 22. So he clearly 
you know, likes him to some degree, but Henderson was determined to to leave because he was fed up with being messed around uh, under Solskjaer and Ranić. He was promised the number one spot in the summer of 2021. He got COVID. Uh, De Gea started the season to get pretty well, and then Henderson never got his chance. Um, so I can understand why he was why he was pissed off, but um, Ten Hag would probably try and convince him again um, to to come and, and give him a shot, maybe. But it's whether or not he accepts that or not. Um, but a lot of United fans are not convinced by him either, um, mm. and he seems to be slightly injury prone as well. He's been out for a long time now for Forest, and he, it's not it's not his first injury. I don't um, think he's. I think uh, he's been back for a while now. I think just when you've got Kalo Navas in net. And you're fighting to save the season. It's not a dynamic you want to change. Sorry to cut in like that, but I think he's been on the bench now for a while. But he's just not found his place back in the team because you've got Kalo Navas in there. And when you compare the two, in terms of how where Forest are, you want the best players arguably to stop the ball going into the goal and earn as many points as you want because they're not scoring many at the other end either. And I think Kalo Navas is a testament to that. Yeah, um, he's he, well. Obviously, he, he couldn't have been on the bench against United because he's not eligible to play against United. But mm. I see the previous game here, Wayne Hennessy was on the bench. Oh, okay, then I, um, I must have got that wrong. My my apologies. I thought he was back for a while now. Um, well, could you imagine the stink that he would kick up uh, if if he was available and he wasn't playing? <laughs> um. But that'll be purely down to Ten Hagway uh, if he's able to convince him to, to come back and give him another chance. But it, it, it seemed as if he had very much burnt his bridges last summer. But if he can't buy an, an alternative to De Gea and he's not happy with De Gea, he may look in-house uh, and that could be uh, one of those options. Um, yeah, it's he's just he's a great shot stopper most of the time but he, he's so many flaws to his game uh double to get and mark smith here in the comments uh thank you for your comment he thinks we need to to move on and he's not at the level we need for the future mm. um yeah i would be i just can't see us winning the 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 premier league uh with the game and that's now to be honest with you um i was laughing at a comment from uh the journalist mark ogden uh during the game he said that uh De Gea, lindelof and mcguire or like United's Bermuda Triangle, <laughs> a bit slightly harsh, um, but I, I can see where it's coming from. He is not a fan of the guy at all. He, I had him on the show last summer, and he was saying even back then that United need to move the guy on because you know the likes of Edison and and Allison are very much modern goalkeepers, and the guy has been been left behind in that respect. I would even say that uh, Schmeichel had more attributes uh, to his game. Than David De Gea, yeah, and Jamaica didn't need to be good with his feet in 25, 30 years ago, and but he commanded his area. Mm. De Gea does not bring that to the table. He's a very timid goalkeeper. But we'll move on now. We've been talking about De Gea for a while now, and <laughs> um, I wanted to mention the the absence of Bruno Fernandez. Now he's a player that brings a lot of fight, um, as well as his ability. Um, I think it's I don't even need to ask you, but I'll ask you anyway. We missed we missed him tonight, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, I've said on um, our shows multiple times that when Bruno Fernandes is fit and available, he's practically bulletproof. Ten Hag could literally turn to him and say, I'm going to arrest you this week. And Bruno Fernandes will turn around and say, no, you're not. 
I don't know if you know how this works. I play when I'm available, and he's he's he is very bulletproof, which is uh, which is very key for us because it's almost like when he wears that armband on the pitch, and what he brings to the table. Um, I don't care about how when it's not going well he whinges, he throws his arms in the air. That's how he is. He's a very emotional player. He's a very emotional player. Sometimes maybe that's not good to have, but it just not only does it show that he cares, but it almost like sets an example to the other players on the pitch that we're here, we're going to fight regardless. Whether we're 2 nil down, we're going to fight and we're going to win this game. And it's very good to have. And when you miss one of those core leaders in the group, part of United's spine this season has been Fernandez, Martinez and Varane and, and Casemiro. And we missed three of that four. And the difference in quality was very clear to see. So I think for Bruno Fernandes has proved now that it surely is proved because there are people out there who say that we don't need him or he's not integral to this team. I think he's clearly shown now that he is. Like he's playing a different role almost this season. Not just when he's been in more of a 10, but also when he's been more of an eight recently. He's played a bit deeper recently. And he's still he's still pulling up really good numbers. He's still playing really well. And it's really good to see that. And depending, I think it could be a completely different thing next season, depending on who we get as a striker. We could see a Bruno Fernandez of two seasons ago with the numbers he was putting up goals and assists-wise. I don't want to focus too much. I'm not a very stat-focused person, but I feel like with a Kane, for example, we could see maybe, because Bruno played almost like a second striker in, in that 10-fold a couple of seasons ago with when he was with Cavani and other players. So it's almost like we could see that Bruno Fernandes unlocked again. And I just think that he's showing that there's more to his game than just being there to provide and to score goals. Like he's we've been playing deeper. So... To miss him, not just with his quality, but also with almost his personality, to miss both of those tonight when we're currently in a situation where we need someone to grab the rest of the team by the scruff of their neck and go, listen, we're Manchester United. We're here to win, not float, not turn up for a match that we should win and just decide we're just here to, it just almost seem like we're here to participate. So he was a real big miss tonight, and he's gonna. I'm just glad that he's gonna be back now for the weekend. Yeah, he's become a better player just by not even playing tonight. Um, he was absolutely phenomenal against Forest, uh, and it's just a shame that he wasn't available for such an important game tonight. But like you say, not only will he be back against Brighton in the FA Cup semi-final, which is crucial, but. Maguire will be suspended for that game. Um, mm. We've got to say that that probably is a good thing, you know, with all due respect. But the question is, who's going to partner Lindelof uh, at Wembley on Sunday? Is it going to be Casemiro or is it going to be Shaw? Um, like Shaw looked as if he picked up another knock tonight, mm. which is worrying. Um, so how do you see that one going? Yeah, the injuries to Martial and Shaw were, pardon the pun, insult to injury to what happened for the rest of the evening in terms of how the game went about um to be honest i actually thought shaw was going to come on for Maguire tonight um so obviously as you can imagine i was a little bit disappointed 
um, that Wabasaka went off. Having said that, it's going to be interesting because I I may have jinxed it over Twitter the last week or so, <laughs> where I've said, guys, be be aware, there's a scenario where Casemiro starts at the back next to <laughs> Lindelof. Um, and to be honest, I think that's the most likely. It'll be, I think we'll see in the coming we'll see in the coming day, in the coming hours, what's what's it like with Luke Shaw. I don't know if Ten Hag's made comments post match regarding Luke Shaw. Um, but yeah, I think if if Luke Shaw's fit, I think he plays next to Victor Lindelof. Um, but if it's not, then I think there's no other option than Casemiro. I mean, you could throw Phil Jones's name in there just for a laugh, really, but I don't think we're going to be seeing Phil Jones unless it's punditry on the sidelines, if I'm being honest. So I don't mean any disrespect to him in that, but just from reports, apparently ESPN has been thrown in there for Luke, for Phil Jones to go and do some, I don't know, but it's it's a case where the fullbacks are coming into form, which is great. However, we have we only have one available centre back, and it, it just looks like we'll see Casemiro next to him. We've seen it before, I think, against Burnley earlier in the season. I think Lindelof partnered Casemiro. I could be wrong on that one, um, but it would be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I think he'll go with Casemiro alongside Lindelof if definitely if McTominay is available because in, in Ten, Ten Hag seems to use McTominay as a deputy for Casemiro when he's suspended um, but he's not been available for uh, a couple of weeks now um, so I don't, I, I'm not sure if he's going to be available on Sunday or not but uh, if not then uh, he'll have to go for, for Fred to replace Casemiro in midfield Um. Because yeah, there really is no other options really, um, unless he plays. Because if he plays Shaw alongside um, Lindelof, then we're going to have to play again the right-footed player Dallo uh, at left back or or Malasia, who had a dreadful game in, in the first leg against Sevilla. Mm. Neither of those options convince me against an opponent like Brighton, who are going to be it's going to be such a tough game. Um, see, the thing is, we're, we're, we're with Dallo. He can't play because he's right-footed. He can't play the early ball to Sancho or Rashford, whoever it is in front of him. Um, so he's kind of handicapped uh, when he's playing that role. So yeah. I know he scored against Forest, but like you said earlier, it was only Forest, one of the the lowest-scoring teams in the league, who can yeah. see plenty of goals. Um, but yeah, I I, I want I, I would, the only left back I really uh, trust is Luke Shaw. So that's the issue with playing him at centre back. You lose that then. So. I would go with uh, Casemiro uh, alongside Lindelof, no matter what, on Sunday, uh, no matter mm. who's available. Um, if McTominay uh, is available, he'll play him. But other, otherwise, he'll have to play Fred alongside uh, Ericsson and Fernandez. I think. What did you think? Of, uh, Tabitzer pulled up in the warm-up against Forrest, but started tonight. And he just wasn't at it tonight. He was brilliant in the first leg. Um, got those two goals, obviously. But tonight he just he just he just wasn't in the game at all. He was somebody shouldered him uh, into the uh, he made a head of his hit his head off a, a bench or something. It was a ferocious challenge, um, and he had to receive treatment. And he never really came back from that. Um, he was committing quite a number of fouls that I, that I noticed. But 
he never really got going from an offensive point of view. I know nobody did, um, but uh, it was disappointing, wasn't it, uh, that Spitzer never really got into the game, given what he brought to the table in the first game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we all saw him get a knock in that uh, forest before the forest game, we all thought, oh, no, this could be a problem. Now, obviously, he was back in training yesterday, which gave us all high hopes that, oh, he can play. So we can see that trio of Ericsson, Savitzer and Casemiro. I worry that maybe it was a case of Sabitzer's not played a lot of football this season before he came to United, I think. And when he's come to United, he's had his own fair share of issues, I believe. Um, and I feel like maybe for him, it might be a bit more difficult to get straight back into the fold as opposed to other players, maybe. Maybe it might take a, a, him an extra game or so to get back into it whereas other players can slot straight back in like Ericsson did at the weekend. Okay, granted, it was a le- it was a more lengthy layoff, but yeah. Um, but to be honest with you, a lot of the players were like that. With, similar to Sabitzer, a lot of the players were like that. It was just nice to see um, Sabitzer foul the severe players, if I'm being honest. Uh, just showed that he's there like, right, I'm not, I'm not at my best. But I'm just going to kick some of these players because the rest of them aren't. There was a lot of transition where Sevilla almost looked like they were getting past us a little too easily. Like once Sevilla on the counter, there was a lot of chasing back. So it was nice to see um, Sabitzer almost make up for a lethargic performance. Like the rest of it, it was a lethargic team performance. Um, but it was nice to see just him get stuck in a little bit more than the others did because like I said, we were out for a lot and like second balls weren't attacked, we were pressed. So it, it was just, that was the silver lining almost. That's just essentially me clutching at straws to what was a poor performance from the team tonight. Well, Sabitzer, Anthony and Casemiro definitely showed a lot more fight than the other players. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the other players were, were, were their, their work rate was lacking um, and the, as you said, Sevilla were going past them too easily. They weren't tracking back enough. They were pulling out of challenges. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was extremely disappointing in a game of that importance. So I'm just going to do a quick rundown of the of the player ratings. It's going to be very very low in comparison to the Forest game. Um, so David De Gea um, probably gets a a two from me. Um, one Basaka uh, a four. Um, Harry Maguire another two. Lindelof probably a bit higher, a uh, five. Um, Diego Dallo probably a five. Casemiro uh, five. Eriksen five. Sabitzer five. Anthony maybe a six. Sancho a two, and Martial a two. And there's lots of substitutions. Luke Shaw probably just a five. Um, Rashford never probably yeah probably a five. Never really. Uh, he tried, he tried, but he he never really got into the game as much as I hoped. Um, Vicorce, another five. Um, and Fred, uh, a five. Um, and Anthony Lango was not very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tin Hag probably gets a, a four as well. Um, d- does does it frustrate you that Anthony Lango gets more game time than Facundo Palestri? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, 
I feel bad for Elanga because it, it was almost like he was the only, granted maybe Din, but the only shining light from what was a poor season last season. But he was thrown into a bad situation where I think maybe it was almost overplayed and it could have been too much for him. Now, Pellistri came in as a very cheap buy a couple of years ago. It was almost a case, and people not, not maybe questioned the deal almost like, a, where's this recruitment going? A 10 million pounds, unproven kid from Uruguay, going out on loan, always playing for the Uruguay national team, so there must be something about him. But it's almost like, a, is he going to get his chance or is it just going to be one of those, like he's here, but then he's not here, we don't really see him. And what, what, what I saw from him briefly in preseason, I thought this could be someone who, I know it's not a lot to work with, but maybe this is something, this is a, a project that maybe Ten Hag could work with. Because I think with younger players, for some of them, you've got to really like manage their way into the team. Like there's some youth players we've seen in the past, they've made it a United because they're, they're, the way they've been brought into the team has been well managed. And I think that we didn't see Polistri for the majority, for pretty much the first half of the season. We didn't really see him much, if at all. But then slowly, slowly, he's made these few appearances, these cameos, and he's looked really good. And he's looked, he's looked like something different to what we've got. And it went from a case where, I mean, it's refreshing, firstly, that suddenly we're stopped in the wing areas. <laughs> Like, I remember there was a point last season where it was like we only had three wingers and that was it. So it's really refreshing to see now we've got Pellistri, Garnacho, um, Elanga. Unfortunately, it looks like he's one leg out the door. It looks like he could be gone this summer. Um, he's just not showing the quality necessary for Manchester United. I think he's a good player, but I think he'd be good at maybe a different club. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, I am obviously very, uh, when Martial pulled up with injury, I actually thought Pellistri should have come on instead of Weghorst because on our channel, we defend, we, we, we back Weghorst because of what he offers off the ball with his work ethic and his pressure, his pressing and he's very good technically, but he's quite good technically. But the problem is it's worrying when you see him get the ball 20 yards from goal and you say to yourself, please don't shoot because we don't see this going in. I don't mean any disrespect when I say this, but it's sometimes it's like he makes Marwan Fellaini look like a prolific number nine, <laughs> um, which I know sounds disrespectful, but it, it, Fellaini scored goals. You put Fellaini in this team, he could offer a couple of flicks here and there and hold up play and maybe a couple of goals. Um, but... That, that's just the way Fellaini's always kind of been. He's always been more of a nuisance like that. But it is... Um, I wanted to see more. I, I have wanted to see more of Palistri recently, especially considering that, you know, Garnacho's been out injured for a little bit. So you think that maybe his pathway into more appearances would have opened up a bit more. And because the players have seemed a lethargic, have seemed a little lethargic, like you said, Sancho offered almost nothing tonight. And I think we all share that opinion. Obviously, Rashford coming on was almost necessary, but the reason Rashford wasn't starting because of injury. So, yeah, it, I would have liked to have seen more from Palistri. Uh, I think he would have been the better option than Weghorst, but we'll see what happens. It's 
I mean, silver lining, we don't have Thursday, Sundays anymore. But that's like a poor silver lining in what could have been a very good season, trophies-wise. Yeah, um, that that's true. And I, I think it's the fact that we were playing every three or four days is what has cost us in the end. Uh, mm. The squad just isn't big enough um, to cope uh, with all these games and all these injuries and suspensions. Uh, it was going to catch up with us at, at some point. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, and also means we can fit that Chelsea game in somewhere uh, before the last <laughs> week of the season as well. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's a game I'm I want to get that fixture as soon as possible because Chelsea are awful. That should be a guaranteed three points if we're on our game. <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm in the camp where it's like watch that be Frank Lampard's only win of the season, only win for Chelsea <laughs> this season. I, I I'm worried it's going to be one of those games. All the teams seem to turn up against United for some reason. So. Well, I would agree with you if it was still uh, the Ranyuk season. I think uh, 100% Chelsea win the game. But <laughs> mm. I think at home under Ten Hag, um, we should we should have them in that game as long as we're not, you know, destroyed by more injuries. Um, yeah, I would I, I would agree with you that um, if we're going to bring in Vikhorst on loan in January, uh, I would rather just have just brought in brought back Fellaini for six months because, yeah, like you say, at least he's a goal threat. Um, he'll win flick-ons. Um, Vickhurst isn't very good in the air at all, and he isn't a goal threat. Um, and the only reason why he was signed is because he's Dutch. Um, but really, he's just not not up to it at this level. I like the guy per, on a personally, um, and he, he works really hard, but he just doesn't really bring any kind of a threat in the in the final third unfortunately and when he when he comes on to replace Marcel it's it's a it's a massive drop in quality mm. and you know he's not going to score any goals he hadn't he hadn't scored in the Premier League at all um, no, and one in the League Cup and one in Europa League and I think both of them were rebounds and um, yeah he's just he's just not up to him I'm afraid and, and Marcel looks like he's injured again um, so would you would you play Rashford up top then against Brighton in the FA Cup semi-final? That's all we can do. If I'm being perfectly honest, I think that's all we can do. Um, I want to be careful with Rashford personally as well because we've seen him play with a broken back almost. Not the exact injury, but we've seen him have back problems for about a year and a half, a while back. And he's played through it the whole time. So Rashford's the kind of player that will do all he can to be fit just to play for United, which you've got to, which you, you've got to love him for it. But at the same time, you've got to sit there and think, hang on, can you, you need to like look after yourself a bit because this is going to cause some problems for you. Like, so I think, I personally think Ten Hag will go with, I, I think he'll go with um, their course up front. But if it was me, I'd say you'd play, um, a very another fluid front three with maybe Sancho still playing, but then Rashford down the middle and Anthony on the right wing. Um, would you consider, uh, probably won't happen, would you consider starting like Palestri on the left? I know he doesn't really, doesn't really play there, or maybe Anthony could play on the left and Palestri on the right. Uh, I'm getting creative here, but the manager probably won't start Palestri in a in a game of that importance. But I don't I just don't really want to see Vicor start to be honest with you. Uh, I mm. can't see it happening. I suppose it did work in the League Cup final. 
Um, but yeah, he's he's. I think Veghorst has got progressively worse uh, as time has went on. He started off pretty decent, but he's not really offering anything. Um, he hasn't offered anything for a while now. But uh, it is a possibility that he will go with Rashford, Veghorst, and Anthony as his front three. We really are down to the bare bones. I mean, we've got like two keepers on the bench. You have Brandon Williams on the bench, Ekbal, uh, and then we had uh, is it Gerardo? I think was on the bench the other day. Yeah. Um, we're really, really struggling for numbers at the moment. Uh, we had, a, I think, at the weekend we reached the level of an entire eleven was out injured. Yeah. Um, and now obviously there's another suspension with with Maguire, which is you know nobody's going to lose any sleep over that. Um, it just means that we're probably going to have to play a midfielder, our best one of our best, our, our best CDM then at centre back, um, and and bring in Fred or McTominay into the into the midfield. It is going to be an extremely difficult difficult game. Brighton have had a superb season. There's so many quality players, you know, at least three of which we've been linked with uh, this summer. Um, how are you feeling about this game now? Do you like um, Gary, I think Gary Neville was saying that it's fifty fifty you know, before tonight. Would you now say it's 60-40 in Brighton's favour? It's a question of... Um, it's very much in question. I mean, there is a... Evan Ferguson, I think, is out for the semi-final. So there is a good chance that we get knocked out of the FA Cup by Danny Welbeck. Um, <laughs> and as much as, I, as much as I love the guy, that's not really something... I don't want to see us get knocked out of the FA Cup at Wembley because Danny Welbeck's got in behind Victor Lindelof and either Casemiro or Shaw. Um, but it, it, the thing you mentioned there about Vekos working in the League Cup final, I think that worked to an extent. But also, we weren't at the races in that Cup final. We just managed the game very well. We got our two quick-fire goals and managed the game well. It was a very... I don't mean any disrespect to Newcastle when I say this, but it was a very, like... The, the favourites, arguably... It was, it, it was a classic favourites beat the underdog story. Do you know what I mean? We've seen that in the past where, like Chelsea, when they won the same competition in 2015, they got their two goals against Spurs, but it was just a very well-managed classic Chelsea game. They had Mourinho at the time, so you wouldn't expect nothing less against Spurs. Um, but yeah, I think it's, there's, a lot, there's a lot to question about it. Not... Listen, Brighton are a very good side. They've proved that this season and they're in very good form. Um, regardless of whether you want to say it's Chelsea, everyone beats them. They beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. And with a goal where the, the player, I think his name was Julio and Ciso, or so, I, can't, I don't know how to pronounce his surname, uh, where he just took the ball and just went, Keppers in there somewhere and smashed a beautiful goal. Um so it's going to be a very difficult game and considering there is a we'll be playing players out of position at the back and we're going to be playing players potentially forward who don't provide the goals we need it's going to be amazing we're going to it's almost like we need to rely on someone to provide a moment i mean to have bruno fernandez back is is a plus because I think if anyone could, if there's one player who we didn't have tonight that could have made more of a difference, it would have been him, if anyone at all. So it will be a plus, but it, it's it's very 50-50. But I don't know if the 50 for United comes from 
it's it's United and the quality of players with Rashford and Bruno Fernandes when they're on fire. Uh, but there is a there, even though it's 50-50, there's still a big worry on Brighton's side to pull something off. And the problem is, firstly, if we go through, can we beat City in the final or will our batteries be gone by then? And if Brighton win, can they beat City in the final? Can they who can and, stop who can stop City winning the treble if that's on? Real Madrid. <laughs> um please. please. Yeah, I'd, if if it comes down to the FA Cup final, because like if if City are in the Champions League final, they're going to win because they, they only have to beat one of the Milan teams, and that's face it, they they could well win that final four nil. Um, so if they get past Madrid, I think they're massive favourites to win their competition. So we'll know by the FA Cup final uh, what what that's looking like. Um, so it may come down to the FA Cup final whether or not they win the treble. Um, obviously the, the the league's still up on the air, but they're they're looking good at the moment. Um, and I would rather it be us than Brighton and uh, taking them on. That being said, if it's the partnership at the back is Maguire and Lindelof against oh, Manchester yeah. City. I think we've absolutely no chance, to be honest with you. Um, there is a, there's a ch- that, that is like June the third if we make it. So there is a chance that Varane could make it back for that game, and that would be absolutely crucial. Um, but first things first, we need to get past Brighton. Um, yeah, the name of the player you're talking, another quality player they've signed, uh, Julio uh, Inicio. You know what? Do you know what the most important signings we can we could make this summer is is Brighton scouts. Um, I've been saying this for a couple of years now. We should we should get them all in because they just seem to find hidden gems all over the place. Um, whether it be in South America or Ireland or Japan, they just they just mm. seem to be able to find some of the best young players in the world. Um, yeah, I would make I would make Brighton slight favourites now. Probably, I'd say 55, 45 in their favour. The only mm. reason why I'm, I'm still giving us a chance is because you know we're higher than them in the table. I think going on current form, they're playing a lot better. I mean, they're even so unlucky to lose at Spurs. I mean, they were totally robbed by the officials that day. Mm, uh, they should have won that yeah. game. As well. They should have won that game as well. Um, uh, yeah, so many dangerous players. Not only like uh, Matoma, um, Alexis McAllister, Ferguson if he plays. Uh, Wilback is on in decent form. There's Pascal Gross. Um, yeah, such such, and then uh, Julio and Inicio, like we said, so many um, quality players in their team that we need to watch out for, uh, and they are a team as well. Um, they're mm. they're not uh, they're not individuals, and um, they play play together well as a collective, and they, they they work really hard. They they press really hard. I mean, who'd have thought whenever they lost um, their manager? Midway uh, five games into the season, that they'd replace him with an even better manager. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a massively difficult game, and I think we need to score first um, if we're going to win this. If we go one 0 yeah. down, um, I think we're in big trouble. Just like tonight. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm more hoping than expecting uh, in this final. I just hope that uh, we can just get tonight out of out of the system. Um, recover uh, hopefully no more injuries on the likes of Rashford and Shaw can start the game um, and we can uh, get the job done but uh, it's going to be nail biting isn't it very much so I mean what you mentioned there about the Brighton recruitment is incredible um, 
But we had the chance last ja uh, January over a year ago to sign Julian Alvarez. And I think Ranić was undermined with that, with the sense where the board said to him, you can buy him now, but we won't, we won't, it's almost like taking money out of the summer budget, which I think is poor for the United board because other clubs like Manchester City have done it where they've signed a player in January. They did it with the Laporte signing. They were going to make that signing in the summer, but because of the injuries, they had to pull that investment forward, I think is the word for it. They had to pull it like to now in, when it was in January because they needed another central defender and they had their fourth choice was Elikin Mangala who couldn't be relied on. So I think that that was just a, I think that was just a testament to, because if we had Julian Alvarez this season, I'm not saying he would have been as much of a hit for us as he was for City, but we would have had maybe an actually competent striker, fully fit and available for the majority of the season. And you do wonder what would have happened, but it was just a testament to how poor our recruitment is at boardroom level almost where in terms of the decision making that wasn't it was clear we needed someone at the time and we didn't get anyone and obviously there's the whole what could have been this season but it's going to be a very it's going to be a very nail-biting it's going to be a very nail-biting end to the season not just with this weekend but with our top four hopes as well yeah yeah absolutely um yeah, I'm not. I'm not confident uh, about Sunday, and I think we need to be at our absolute best to win this game. And and you know we need to uh, need to do exactly what we did against Newcastle, get a couple of early goals, and then manage the game. Um, I don't think we're going to go there and totally outplay Brighton for ninety minutes. Um, it could be a real goal fest. Um, at both ends. Um, it's so. We'll get on to our, 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 our predictions. Um, I think it'll be a draw and it'll go to extra time and possibly penalties. Mm. What's yours? I think it will be one in extra time. Who wins it, I couldn't tell you. Uh, just for the sake of the, it's a United show and obviously I'm a United fan, I'll obviously back my team to win. But looking at it realistically, given the way we've been, maybe the Wem the fact it's Wembley might work in our favour because we've played there already this season. Um, and sometimes with some teams, maybe... I, I don't think Brighton, maybe they're not that kind of team, but some teams almost fold under the Wembley pressure. Um, but it's like, I think I think it will be a United win in extra time. I'll say that. But... It's going to be a very tough game and it, i think the goals who scores first is crucial because it seems like recent weeks when we've gone a goal down it's almost like we haven't got the same fight to come back from it like we've shown previously in this season under eric ten Hag, and it's given that we're in a position now where we won at forest last week thankfully but what helped us as well was teams around us were dropping points. We can't rely on other teams dropping points every week. There was obviously, it looked like that last week at one point where I think there was a couple of weekends where United, Arsenal and Spurs all dropped points. So it was almost like no one wanted top four. <laughs> but we can't sit there and hope other teams do a job for us. We've got to 
push our way to the end of the season, get find whatever this problem is, either work through it or find the solution because it's been going on for over a month now, two months almost. And it's becoming worrying that now we're at the business end of the season. We're running low on players and not just numbers in general, but players that Ten Hag trusts. I think Ten Hag has a core of around 13, maybe 14 at a push players that he trusts. Two of them have gone with injury in Varane and Martinez. So I don't know. It's going to be a nail biting end to the season. I could sit here and say that's what we love about Premier League football, but when your team's in that fight, it, it, it's not fun. Yeah, um, we can't we can't go out of the two cups in three days. Um, now we've lost one, we have to win the next one. Mm. Um, but yeah, they've they've even had um, eight days re- eight days rest. Whereas um, we're going to be probably tired after the trip to southern Spain, um, and many of the players who started, um, probably at least eight of the players who started tonight will probably start on Sunday as well. Mm. So hof- hopefully fatigue doesn't become an issue in the second half of the game. Um, but yeah, you see, if I was a, I'm saying extra time and penalties because of me an United fan. Do you see uh, if I was studying the form guide and I'd watch both teams playing? And I was in neutral. I would probably stick a wee bet on Brighton to win the game, uh, mm. if I'm being totally honest. But I want to keep the faith on. Uh, hopefully, United can win the game, um, either in normal time or extra time. Um, so, yeah, both of us are. I think we're both just hopeful because we're United fans. But in reality, we know this is this is going to be hugely difficult. But if I had a choice between beating them in the league. And winning on Sunday, as winning on Sunday all day long. See with Newcastle. Um, like I said, I've had to choose between winning the League Cup final or or winning at St James's Park, the League Cup final, f- all day long for me. And mm-hmm. the same applies to this. Um, I don't. And if obviously I want to win both, but um, if we win on Sunday and lose four uh, 0 uh, in the league at Brighton again, then um, I'll be I'll be. I'd take that. Um, I'd, I'd rather have silverware um, than you know, just just winning uh, winning games in the Premier League. Um, that's what's most important. Um, this is our last chance of silverware this season. Um, we've now the Mickey Mouse treble will no longer be happening. <laughs> um, so we're hoping for a domestic double. Um, but we really got the short straw, didn't we? Getting Brighton and Manchester City got uh, Sheffield United. How we could have done with that tie um, after losing in the Europa League. We, uh, yeah. Sheffield United at Wembley on, on Sunday would have been much better. City are already in the final, basically. Um, and like I say, if we get through this on Sunday, Varane has to be back for the final. Otherwise, we have no chance, in my opinion. Um, I think yeah. City's attack will just take Maguire and Little off apart, um, unfortunately. Um, so we'll uh, wrap it up there for today. Um, if everyone can please smash a like on the video, um, let us know your thoughts, and uh, subscribe to the channel. And uh, the link to Julio's show is in the description. Uh, of well, the video. It's not my show. It's the show I come from. It's not my show. It's Keen's, really. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's Keen is the 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 main man at, at your show, but you're one of the regulars, uh, I believe. 
Um, so it's uh, great to have you on. Uh, Keen might be on himself on my show pretty soon. Um, mm. But uh, you've been a pretty good guest yourself, so it's been a pleasure to have Thank you on. You. I've um, I've uh, I've actually enjoyed being on. I've enjoyed talking to you. So thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was good therapy for both of us after that result. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, it was without screaming, without any screaming about this, this, that, this, that. So it was very, yeah. it was a very nice, calming conversation. <laughs> I'm sure there was plenty of uh, ranting and hot headedness on, on other YouTube shows. Uh, some of it was probably acting. Um, but uh, mm, mm, we managed yeah. to keep our level heads tonight um, because we weren't really that surprised by what happened. Um, we've seen United you know, do this uh, this season already, um, but it's still massively disappointing. But uh, we'll have to move on now and hopefully get the result on Sunday. Um, and no doubt I'll have you on the show again, Julio. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, I'll see you later.